0: Phoenix Suns Summer League starts on Saturday, but first, another rumor for a very interesting young guy. Not going to be on Summer League. We'll break down a big move, literally, that the Suns could make and the Summer League roster on today's episode of Locked on Suns. Let's go. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are back. This is Locked on Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Kleen, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show. Wherever you get your podcasts, a big thank you for making Locked on Suns your first listen here on this Friday to get you ready for Summer League. Continue the offseason coverage. We're free and available everywhere. All you got to do is hit follow or subscribe. Search Locked on Suns on your favorite podcast platform, including YouTube. You'll find the show. Hit follow, hit subscribe, and it'll be here for you every single day of the offseason and beyond. We are joined today by Damon Allred. He is a writer over at Bright Side of the Sun. I have a rant about Summer League. We're going to break down some of the interesting young players. We'll get to all that in a second. First, though, today's um, rumor of the day came early. I don't know what it is for the gentleman who gave it to us, John Gamadoro. He, I think, is in, like, somewhere in Europe, but continuing to feed us Nice little uh, tidbits. And he said that the Suns are interested in Bull Bull, who the Magic initially opted to bring back and then eventually cut, and he is now on the market. Um, Damon, let me just get your thoughts off the top of it would mean cutting somebody, but we know it could be Ish Wright or, or Isaiah Todd, who we'll talk about later. I don't think that would be the end of the world. What do you think of adding Bull Bull as kind of the last roster piece to this Suns team if, if it does indeed happen?
1: Yeah, so as far as roster building, getting to 15 by opening day and all that, um, I think the, the first thing to note is that the Suns can have more than 15 guys for a while. And I wouldn't mind Bol Bol being in that mix and seeing how he does in training camp and all that, seeing how he handles the, the, other, or the rest of the group as well as the, the scheme that Vogel wants to implement and just seeing how he takes to it. And if it works out, then cool. It's a high reward type of risk. And if not, then you can just cut ties with him immediately and not really have to worry about it probably. So um, I think it's smart to look into at the very least.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm a little more, uh, I don't know if optimistic because I'm not his agent or anything, but I expect him to get a contract somewhere. So I kind of think the Suns are probably competing against, maybe I'm wrong, but you know, he it's only 23. Finally played 70 games last season. He's obviously only going to be a minimum player no matter who signs him, probably. Um, so, you know, in 7-2 with the huge wingspan and, like, the, the physical gifts are are very clear. So, like, I, I sort of think the Suns are maybe competing with other teams and, like, it might be a matter of giving him a guaranteed roster spot. Would you do it if the only way to get him was to give him, like, guaranteed money in
1: the next week? um i'm not so sure okay. about how i feel when it comes to guaranteeing things like that but just because you know the the type of atmosphere i want throughout training camp is sort of everyone competing for spots on the rotation and spots on the roster i think competition breeds production and uh breeds just a, a better overall you know combination of guys and so i i don't like the idea of guaranteeing anything truthfully
0: okay i mean you know yuta watanabe has a guaranteed contract so it's like somebody gets it you know but i get what you're saying well
1: role players you can um kind of more easily fit in alongside the stars like i think it'd be a lot harder to find ways to put bulbul next to the big three than it would be to put yuta next to the big three and so that's where that comes from
0: that makes perfect sense so to give people the background, although I know he's an object of fascination for people, I'm not exactly giving details of a player you've never heard of, but statistically pretty interesting season last year. 83% at the rim, 5.5% block rate, uh, you know, a little over two offensive rebounds per 100 possessions, all the stuff you would expect a person his size to be able to do on the basketball court. He did, and again, you know, finally stayed healthy, played 70 games and, and gave them a lot. On the other hand, I don't want to say gave them a lot, had some flashes, and at least was able to be on the court and, and, and especially on the defensive end, be close to neutral, if not a positive. Um, he does turn the ball over a lot and has not really ever had the three point shooting flash in a real way, which was one of the things we that made him so interesting, dating back to Oregon and, you know, the draft and everything else. So, never really played with Denver and that's kind of where i come down in terms of why i would be skeptical although the fit with the the, the other guys is is hurt i mean i honestly Damon, i kind of feel like if if they did decide to bring him on they would never say this but i think it would be like you know a 0.5% chance that he becomes a future starter at that spot would be kind of the thinking like i i think you're right that it would not necessarily be with the intention of like all right that's our you know 82-game backup center, but it's like, could that be like our 2026 starting center or like our 2025 starting center? Maybe. Um, I I don't know. But he left on questionable terms from Oregon, Denver, and Orlando. And so that's kind of where I would come down on it being uh, why I would be hesitant. Like, I think the Magic were kind of a perfect situation for him because they were young Everybody sort of gets to handle the ball there, so he got to do some of that, which is part of what makes him a unique talent. But I just don't know if it's necessarily worth the risk of the injury that could come or if there are behind-the-scenes issues, which have always been kind of rumored. Obviously, I'm not in any of those buildings, but if that became an issue, I just don't know if a player like that on a championship team Makes a ton of sense. On the other hand, Gambo has been pretty right about a lot of the expected targets, so I don't think it's nothing. I just don't. I I wonder what their intentions would be if indeed they did bring him in, even if it was just for a you know a camp spot. Like that's still kind of a big thing. He's there. He's gonna get coverage. Like people are gonna pay attention to this. So it makes me think that they are pretty interested in his talent. Uh, maybe more than even you or I would be.
1: Yeah, it does seem like there's an element of creativity there, at least from Vogel and his staff to wanting to bring in a guy like that who's not your orthodox center, you know, as opposed to the DeAndre Ayton's and the Drew Eubanks's who are more of those traditional guys at that spot. I mean, he's...
0: I think that it the one part where it does make sense to me, and I don't know how high or low you are on, like, the Eubanks or, or Metu additions as far as like playoff guys or anything but they did go pretty small at the backup center uh additions i mean eubanks and metu were both pretty good athletes and like they can play bigger than their size i, I think i still have some questions on what their role might be become postseason time that's a long way off so i i get like hey let's try we have two six nine dudes we have a 611 guy let's try a 7'2 guy and and kind of at least cover our bases and give ourselves options just to plug in and see what makes the most sense with the rest of the talent. But, um, I kind of feel like bowl ends up on a, a bad team again, or a, a middling team where he can actually play and somebody can take a longer look at him. I, I agree. I don't know if it makes sense to throw into the middle of this sun superstar experiment thing that we have going here.
1: Yeah. One thing I will say is last year, most of his, uh, 30 or so starts came in the first third of the season which was before the the magic really found their footing and started to look more like a solid team down the stretch of the season plus like there were a lot of losses in that early parts i know there was a, a six or seven game win streak for the magic but um all in all just kind of a patchy group there at the beginning and another thing i don't like is that even in those games where he was getting a lot of run and a lot of shot attempts it was only less than one assist per game on nearly two turnovers per game and so that's just a little troublesome for me
0: yep definitely still a project i mean he is only 23 but at some point it starts to stop being only right like 23 is not exactly 19 so uh you know um probably has to show something soon even more than he did last year in order to really become even a rotation player in the nba let alone starter like I was uh, gesturing at a second ago but let's break down players that are actually on the suns players who will finally get to see and a summer league that I'm I think more excited for than anyone since DeAndre Ayton played which was five years ago so uh, I'm excited let's let's break down the three biggest players on this team as well as some flyer uh, guys long shots interesting names who may or may not be contesting for two-way deals or as Damon pointed out a competitive opportunity in training camp. First, today's show brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the place to go when you need, well, help. Sometimes in life we're faced with with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around your career relationships or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so that you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything, The more you practice it, the easier that it gets. Could just be a family change. Could be moving. Could be a work change. Could just be dealing with the realities of life. Doesn't have to be a big momentous decision. It can just help you get through the day-to-day. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P.com slash locked on NBA for 10% off your first month. Keeping it rolling. Summer League starts this weekend. Well, it already started. Uh, how you feeling about Chet Holmgren, Damon? Good vibes? Enjoying the show? Yo, the best vibes. Love Chet. We're, we're already rolling in Sacramento and Utah, but the real one, Vegas, starts this weekend. And the Suns have had a couple of media availabilities. I was there today. We heard from the coach, Quentin Crawford, who came over with Frank Vogel. A, a longtime Vogel guy came uh, with him from Sacramento, and then Vogel hired him in Orlando when Vogel got that job. And then he's basically been with Vogel ever since with the Lakers and everything else. So we heard from him and then Tumani Kamara, who will break down first up here What are your, uh, how much have you like tried to watch him and and what have your takeaways been since the Suns took him at 52? He was a name that I was aware of before the draft, but because it was just a relatively unheralded guy, I actually haven't talked about him a lot on the show. I was kind of waiting until summer league. So what's your kind of minute long scouting report on uh, the second rounder, Damon?
1: Yeah, so since drafting him, I've seen about, five or six games, at least parts of. Um, And it's really easy to see what the Suns saw in him. He's just very in control all the time and always in the right spots defensively. And when he's not in the right spots, it's because someone else was in the wrong spot and he was covering for them. And so you can tell that he's just a leader on that end and he's very vocal, calling out coverages at times too. Um, But really, the offensive upside is there too because... His defensive floor, I think, is really high, high enough that that's probably what they drafted him for and based on. But the offense is nothing to scoff at either. Um, I was just looking at the game log from his last season. And um, over the the stretch of his conference season, he shot the, the ball over 40% from three, which is really impressive. It's not like it was on crazy volume, only two and a half attempts per game or so. But still to be able to hit that much with that size, where he's six eight and well over two hundred pounds with a solid wingspan, I think it's around seven two-ish. And um very clearly, just from the the times that we've heard from him too, he he feels like he belongs there. And it feels like he's almost like a veteran that they picked up in the draft.
0: It definitely feels that way. Um that was my takeaway too, just I mean, you know, I don't want to go too all in after, like you said, only a couple of times of hearing from him, but, uh, you know, getting to kind of see him operate, just kind of see him exist, I guess you could say today. Like he has a presence and a professionalism about him that's rare. I mean, I, it's not like I've never seen it before, but you're talking, you know, Cam Johnson and some of the guys, young dudes who have come into the league and, you just notice it. Cause it is different. I mean, these are young dudes who are not navigating a lot of this for the first time. You know, he had the very typical rookie thing of telling us like, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Like we got done with workouts and practice yesterday. And then I was just at my apartment and kind of like realizing like, Oh, this is it. I don't have to catch up on homework or try to be somewhere for this thing or that thing. It's, it's just what it is. But even to be able to have the perspective to speak that way is impressive. So you get it from a James Jones standpoint, why he was attracted to that guy. Um, that's kind of the persona standpoint. I had it as shooting tools and persona. I, I think some of what you were saying about the defense is is probably a good place to go basketball wise. Uh, but before we do the defense, I just want to list off that he shot seventy two percent at the rim last season at Dayton, and they run a really pro ready, pro style scheme. Um, Obi Toppin talked a lot about that coming out of there, and Anthony Grant is a dude who dating back to uh, his Oklahoma City days where he actually coached with Monty Williams and whatnot. like That's what you're going to Dayton for is to have a coach who's familiar with all of that and a a system that's kind of going to prepare you. So do you think that or, or i guess how do you think he's going to impact the game most defensively early in his career is it going to be kind of turnover creation with that athleticism and wingspan is it going to be kind of like a wing stopper type is it going to be more as like a four like rim protector guy what do you think
1: well not to read too much into what uh coach crawford said today but um he kind of called him a, a perimeter wing guy on that end and I think it makes a lot of sense when you watch him defend it. It does look a bit like um, a more toolsy Tory Craig, even to speak that way. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really smart and really disciplined on that end too. Um, so he's not going to foul a ton and um, yeah, pretty solid out on the perimeter. Good feet. Mm-hmm.
0: He, yeah, I, it was interesting. It, it's interesting to me to try to piece all this together and try to think of like when you add up what Eubanks is good at, what Kamara is good at, what um, I guess you would even say like Keita Bates-Diop, like the pieces are very clearly there. I just, and even Kevin Durant, like there's going to be certain lineups that the Suns are able to put out there that just completely suffocate the paint. Like, you're just not going to score inside. And I think there's almost a way to... I, I, part of me wonders if we've been thinking about it as, like, they might be more aggressive. Could Ayton start switching more or be out on the perimeter? Because we kind of all want to see that, and we know how Vogel used Anthony Davis. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I think we'll see some of those principles at Summer League, and Kamara can be a part of it. I almost wonder if they might play more conservatively. Not conservatively, but more traditionally, I guess where they, maybe their big is just in a drop and they almost play like a Tom Thibodeau type of, of defense where it's just like, you know, completely drop into the paint and and take that away and, and play to the strengths of our roster. And I think if they do some of that stuff, then it it's not a question to me at all how Kamara could impact the game. I don't expect him to play a lot. I think if he has to, it's kind of an issue, but I think he'll probably get on the court and I think he could be somebody who has a you know a, a couple of blocks in like five minutes in some random game in November, or you know puts the clamps on Jason Tatum in boss in Boston one night, or you know like I think we will see those flashes because of how he fits in the athletic gifts that are already there.
1: Yeah, Vogel's been known to to play some no middle defense too, and I think that that's where Kamara can shine as well, just because you're using that big body and the combination of the light feet. To, to really use that to his advantage and force um, opponents outside and to the baseline even. So I think that that's one direction that they might go as well in the Summer League, especially when you when you have not a ton of really true bigs. I guess Trey Jemison might be the only one.
0: Yeah, a lot of guards, which we can talk about. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> guards and a
1: lot of 6'9 forwards. And yeah.
0: Uh, all right, let's go to offense real quick. As I mentioned, he did shoot 72% at the rim, which is just a nice number. I mean, you know, for comparison, didn't Brandon Miller shoot like sub 60%. So, you know, even in college, these things are uh, important to track. Um, I watched him shoot. Like I was just zeroed in post -post post-practice when we were let in for like 20 minutes, I was just watching him get up threes. And it honestly, I, it just feels like something where when he can put in like an extra 10,000 hours on top of what he probably already has considering he's been in college for a while and he's been, you know, playing high level basketball for the national team and prep schools and um, AAU for a while. Like if when he, he he gets in with the player development team, I I just expect it to improve because he already shot a respectable, you know, like 34 and then 36 or something. I think you just said the numbers um his junior and senior years at Dayton. So, I don't know why he wouldn't continue in that trajectory it's like a little bit of a of a a low like initial kind of shooting pocket where the the motion starts sometimes and sometimes it's a little bit of a delayed release where it gets a little risky at the top and that kind of leads to some weird you know off the side of the rim types of misses but when the flow is there and the consistency of motion is there like it's as pretty as any shot you would really need for somebody who's going to just feast on pretty much wide open threes and has the ability to to affect the game offensively in other ways too. So uh, what do you think of of the shooting and the other part of it being he was not a great free throw shooter, just to kind of put that out there, that that's one negative indicator
1: if there is one. Yeah, so the year over year growth, starting from when he was next to Anthony Edwards at Georgia, we're going from 17 to 26 to 34 to 36 percent from three which is just incredible development. And it's as the the volume is steadily increasing as well. So it's not like it is just happening on a couple attempts Um, to speak to the free throw percentages. It's not as much of an end all be all for me as it is with other evaluators. It is a little concerning that it was just 63, 62, 60, and then 67. Um, Obviously not a ton of growth there. Um, But I think that as long as it can be passable, like, like you pointed out, he's going to be feasting on these open opportunities. And, um, one of the concerns that I've had with the shot is that it's a little bit slow, but that's fine when you're six, eight. And it's fine when you've, when you're going to have as many open shots as he is, like, you don't need to be lightning fast, like a Steph or like a clay Thompson. If you're going to have like four seconds to shoot, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it, I think we have to adjust our parameters for... I know a lot of these numbers have been going around already of like how good all these guys are as corner shooters or wide-open three-point shooters and catch-and-shoot... And and I have some for Goodwin in the next segment, which we'll talk about. But you have to reevaluate what level of shooter somebody is when it's Dayton or when it's the Spurs, in the case of Keita Bates-Diop, or when it's the Wizards versus... Being the fourth or fifth option in a lineup where your job is basically, you know, do the right thing when you catch the ball and play well off the superstars. And I think the last part I'll talk about with the offense on Kamara real quick here is uh, Quentin Crawford mentioned him as a role man today, too, um, as a as a roller in the pick and roll. And like if they're willing to get that creative with some of these guys, too, then you're just maximizing the level of contribution that that you're opening up for them, because, open threes getting downhill on the roll like that's the way to use some of these athletes and I'm really excited to just hear that already that they're that they're kind of getting creative and doing some of that stuff let's talk about Goodwin Todd and the rest of the roster and maybe who might get a two-way out of this whole thing with those slots still open for the Phoenix Suns we'll do that after one more quick break closing out the show Damon a bright side of the sun here Damon, I'm not going to summer league either. Uh, I saw you tweeting about your sorrow. Don't worry, um, it's yeah. obnoxiously expensive and largely uh, hit or miss. So um, I know I say that as somebody who has been before. I know I, I get it. You, you and I will go next year. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds uh, great. Let's carpool. Beautiful. Yeah, really save some money <laughs> that way too. Um, yeah. Okay, Jordan Goodwin. on catch and shoot threes last year, 40% on wide open threes, and 52% on corner threes. I want to be optimistic about him. And I think to go back to some of the, you know, going over on screens, dropping under with the big man and, you know, collapsing from the wings types of, of traditional defense that we might see make sense for this roster, I think Goodwin will have a role here. I don't know if summer league is the environment for him to really show what makes him special in the NBA might be the way that I would put it. I don't know if summer league is the environment for some of the little things that he's good at. And I think we could see some, you know, four of 12 games where he gets six assists and three turnovers and, you know, makes a couple night has like a couple, you know, pickpocket steals, but is not on like the, you know, NBA Instagram highlight reels maybe the sickos will appreciate it, but I guess maybe I'm saying people should temper their expectations and he might have a, you know, normal regular summer league and still make an impact for the NBA squad uh, in the fall.
1: Yeah. He's not going to look like Keegan Murray out there (laughs) scoring 41 (laughs) points. Um, I think that where he will uh, thrive though, is just the, the ways aside from shot making. I think he'll look like a, a pretty patient guard and be able to be a good leader in that way. But on defense too, like you pointed out and then maybe get to the rim. Some, I know he's a solid rim pressure guy, but yeah, that's, we got to temper our expectations for what he'll do at the summer league. Also,
0: I'm trying to, I should have looked this up before. I don't think he's played summer league. Oh, he has. He's played it twice. I made that up completely. All right. Let's see what he did. Yeah. Yeah six of 20 from deep over his two years at summer league, uh, 26 of 65 total from the field and then 18 assists to 10 turnovers. So he's going to be a really interesting test though. You know, I think that as excited as people are, and, and like I just said, I'm, I'm on board with some of it. I do, I want to see how it looks outside of Washington and outside of stretch run tanking team basketball. You know, I I just want to see it. I'm not even like throwing doubt on it. I'm just a little bit curious, uh, what, what the impact is and, and production. And if he maybe just very clearly during summer league and preseason, it's like, Oh, he took an even another step. Okay. Like, and then, you know, there we go. But it'll just be a matter of, of watching it. Um, Isaiah Todd, I, the more I think about it, think he's either going to be on a two-way or not on this roster. And it's not even about how he plays. I just think he might be the odd man out. And I think it's like, if you can get him from Washington in the Beal trade, why not? But I just don't, it doesn't seem like he's shown much since coming out of high school to get super excited about. And this is a nice opportunity for him. I'm not trying to take anything away from his talent. I obviously am not the dude who's watched the most Isaiah Todd on planet Earth, but with with the goal being winning a championship, and if that if a better opportunity for that roster spot comes along, I just think the Suns will take that. And so I guess this means summer league for him is is a pretty big
1: moment. Yeah, trying out for other teams. Um, I I just don't see where Todd fits in on this roster. He's not a James Jones guy in really any way. His pre NBA stuff con- consisted of a commitment to Michigan. And then never playing there, so he has zero NCAA experience. And then played for Ignite, but wasn't all that great. It was understandably it was early in Ignite's existence, and so they didn't have quite the tools to prop up their prospects like they do now. But it was like the bubble year for them, right? Yeah, that too. And so he just hasn't done enough to put out good film, and I think that that's going to matter. Yeah,
0: that's that is basically how I feel. He played summer league. Uh, the past two years as well, shot 28% from deep, 31% from the field, two assists, 11 turnovers. It's just, it, like, you know, it's not as if he's had zero opportunities here and it, it just hasn't exactly been uh, productive. So maybe this is the year it turns. I'm, I'm all for it, but I wouldn't expect a whole ton there. So with that said, let's talk about who you're most excited about. Just give me the name that you're expecting to every person in Sun's Twitter land on Saturday night to be over the moon for, you know, trending in Phoenix that we might not uh, maybe know right now.
1: So before the name, one quick honorable mention, because I know he's going to come up, is Keanu Pinder, who played at Arizona and since mostly the nbl in australia um he's improved a lot over the last couple years especially offensively he didn't do anything offensively at arizona but um he's really coming to his own in the nbl and i know that he's he's going to be looking forward to this opportunity playing for the Suns that were so close to the wildcats but the the guy that i'm really looking forward to to watching is um, Louis Olinde, and I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know. Um, I've, a, I've,
0: I think I've said it six different ways it, it, all the times that I've mentioned it on the podcast. So you're in good company.
1: Yeah, I've thought about maybe Olinde just or, without it's like any. Louis or Lewis e- or Luis, you know? Yeah, about that, that either? too. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a German forward, six foot nine, and playing in the toughest league outside the NBA, the Euro League, which. Honestly, I don't know why more EuroLeague guys don't come over each season. Like the MVP just came over to Sacramento. Uh Vasilya Misic is joining the Thunder after years of them having his draft rights. Um Suns almost but, got one allegedly
0: with uh, Mike James. We almost had our own little transport for a minute, yeah, although and exactly. end up
1: happening. Yeah. That's Eastern Arizona College's very own Mike James to yeah.
0: you. Yeah. Uh, shout out to <laughs> Baxter Holmes who wrote like a very deep feature for somebody who all things considered never mattered in the NBA when Mike James came over. He just happened to be in Phoenix <laughs> and like Mike James got a write-up on like the front page of ESPN.com that Igor Kakoshkov year when Mike James was around. But uh yes, back to Olinde, who may actually be a son this year.
1: Yeah, so he his numbers were really impressive uh playing in the EuroLeague. He played for Alba Berlin, which is in Germany, and because the city Berlin is in Germany and he shot 39.1% from 3 and 68.9% at the rim, which is just a wonderful combo for a 6 foot 9 forward, especially when you're going to be in positions where those are open shots. Yeah, he's the one
0: who I read your your kind of brief write up on everybody on Brightside when it when it when you posted it and it seemed like you were most intrigued and it backed up what I was thinking. I mean, he has like a 3% block rate and, you know, just good Turnover creation numbers over there. The three-point shot has, similar to um, to Kamara, like just very kind of rapid ascent as a shooter the past couple of years, which makes sense because he's 25, so he's coming into his prime. He's always been a good free-throw shooter. So just statistically, the indicators, the at-rim stuff, which you just mentioned that I had not heard before, all of it is... Solid. I mean, these are the types of guys. Are you ready for my rant? It's time. We're 31 minutes in. I didn't want to bother anybody with it at the beginning, but
1: didn't want to bury the lead. Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh, well, I did actually want to bury the lead. Um, bull, bull was the lead, but this is the bull, bull This lead. is the secondary one. Uh, no, like these are the types of dudes who the Suns should have been bringing in the past three years. Like I don't. It feels like the organization was legitimately trolling Suns fans the past three years with summer league. I, I don't. I honestly, honest to God, I or I guess two years right, me. like. I genuinely don't get what the goal was with any of what they were doing. I understand it, you know, oh, let's, like, feature Jalen Smith and, and up his trade value. But then you didn't even trade him. So it's just like – or you did, but, you know, eight months later. And then Ish Wainwright, it's like, that's not what – that's not what Ish Wainwright's game is. So we all knew that wasn't going to – he wasn't going to score 40 a night and be the summer league MVP. So it's just – it's honestly like a – it's just it, – it's a waste of of everybody's time, including the coaching staff who went out there and the players who got brought in like none of those guys amounted to anything and we knew they weren't going to and it just felt it just felt weird and so I think this is this roster feels much more like these guys could seriously get uh, two-way spots could come to training camp we could hear their names again you know in the future on different teams and that's how it should be. So I, I like it. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I also want to hear what you think of Hunter Hale because he's the other one who excites me. And I feel like as just sort of a, a wing shooter, guard shooter, more like he could easily make the NBA just with you know 36% and 38% from deep the past two years overseas in a pretty competitive league too.
1: Yeah, Hunter Hale was actually the, the second name I was thinking of behind... Uh, Olinda and he coming from maybe the, the second best league outside the NBA is the Adriatic league where it's just so tough and so competitive over there and so physical. And it's where guys like Dario Saric came from. So shout out to him. Um, And he really, really produced on really high volume from three there shot 37.9% on 7.1 attempts, which is just insane Mm -hmm. And when you look at the when you look at where it's coming from, it's like running around off movement or it's pulling up from deep. And it's just very difficult shots that he's getting and making them quite often. And he's got a positive assist to turnover ratio, still gets about one point three steals per uh, 30 minutes per game. And so I think he's got a lot of the pieces that that would fit this roster.
0: Who do you think starts? It's just a complete guess because we don't know how the coaching staff feels about any of these guys. But, like, who would you want to start? Let me put it that way.
1: Yeah, I haven't thought about it very much at all. But just off the top, I would probably start Marcus Carr just because very high-volume points and assists guy. And then I would start, of course, Goodwin and Kamara. Um. So that's three. Alinde. And probably Jemison And... Yeah, probably Jemison Hale if they want to go smaller. I would
0: love like a three guard, five out lineup. Let's get let's get crazy. Um, that sounds fun. More than I mean, Jemison seems like Why a pretty talented three guy. Guard? Let's but, see
1: four guards. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Jemison does seem talented, and we know they worked him out pre-draft. Maybe it was just sort of a favor to the agent, knowing that they would come. He would come in for summer league. Maybe he's on their radar for a two-way. I mean, again, size is something I would anticipate. We continue to hear. Rumors of uh, I know the Suns can't get buyout guys or anything like that, so maybe it is just the rest of the summer. But um, Jemison's not a n- not a guy to overlook either. But that will wrap us yeah, up. he dunks don't go the ahead. ball
1: hard too. By the yeah. way, he dunks the ball so hard. Yeah. What
0: are his numbers at the rim? I don't I don't even know what college you went to, so I can't look quickly. But
1: he went to UAB, but I don't have his numbers unfortunately. has let been Let's see if I can get him
0: quick. Here we go. UAB on hoop math. Trey Jemison, seventy four percent at the rim this year. Good
1: stuff. Wonderful. Yeah.
0: All right. Damon will have coverage over at Bright Side of the Sun. I'm sure I will have coverage here. Brandon Duenas, I imagine, will be recapping game number one for maybe a Sunday show if we decide to to really go bonus uh, instant reaction with it. Otherwise, Monday as usual. So hit followers, subscribe wherever you're finding the show. We'll be here every day throughout the offseason and beyond. And I will catch you guys next time.